Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilots. I have Mr. Greenbean to my this way. I have Mr. O'Leary to my that way. Boys, how are you doing tonight? Greenbean, I'm going to throw it to you first. Well, that was a short intro. I didn't even know what was happening. I was just like, wait, what? What happened? I don't know what that's so well, okay yeah here we are look at this we're <laughs> back this is amazing it, it honestly it it feels like we just stopped and it feels like years ago at the same time i don't know what's happening i'm excited to talk with you guys again though this is gonna be nice to recap it with you it does kind of we, we've had some time to sort of digest after our marathon of streaming matt how are you doing today yeah, you know, that's so funny Greenbean said that because I recorded uh, Just Jets right before this and I was talking about, you know, the the weekend. I was like, I think we did 17 hours. And I was like, the weekend flew, but it also was really slow at the same time. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Like you blink and it's time for the next stream, but then you get around to day three and it's like we're all delirious by the end. <laughs> yeah I, at least this year we got we didn't make two picks in the first half hour and then have yeah. to sit the entire way through this time we got a few trade action it was the third day actually was a lot of fun we had a bunch of great guests if you guys didn't uh hang out with us during all the guest spots i did timestamp each one of them on the draft streams we also have the full breakdowns or not breaks breakdowns the full interviews with johnny ice cream and fireman Ed over on the new talking jets channel those are posted over there so if you guys want to check that out some cool information, some fun stuff that we had over there. Uh, we do have a poll question tonight. Who was your favorite draft pick? Will McDonald, Joe Tipman, Izzy, Abakananda, if I pronounce that right, and Zach Kuntz. Kuntz. Um, you guys can vote on that <laughs> in the live chat. Uh, we got like 120 votes so far, so you guys can vote on that. We'll come up with other questions throughout the night. But without further ado... I think we could jump into our draft class. We can kind of give some of our thoughts as far as how we're feeling, you know, now that we are, what, five days removed, three days removed from the actual selections and whatnot. So I guess let's start in the first round of the draft. The Jets had slid back with the Aaron Rodgers trade from 13 to 15. We wind up selecting edge rusher Will McDonald the fourth. So Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What were your initial thoughts on the pick and how are you feeling about the pick now? Yeah, I think my still my favorite reaction was green bean. What the hell is going on? Uh, that was the best. I think we were all so, so surprised that that's the direction that the Jets went. I still am lukewarm on it. It's not my favorite selection of the draft class. Now that's uh, uh, Tipman, by the way. So a spoiler, that's who I voted for in the poll. Um, but I understand why Robert Sala would want him for this defense. They are going to line him up out wide, just go, you know, balls to the wall, all speed, all bend, uh, you know, right around the edge there. And, you know, I think he'll probably have a limited role his first year, but with Carl Lawson, a pending UFA, uh, they might not have Bryce Huff after this season as well. They needed more there. And I guess you always rather have more than not enough at the edge rusher position. Yeah, Greenman, how are you feeling now that we're, you know, removed from that first round? How did you feel going into that pick? And how do you feel about it after a few days of reflection? Well, clearly, like Matt just said, I mean, our feelings when it happened are very, very clear. Uh, you know, that's the fun part. It's like it's, you know, people rub uh, our faces in it. I could speak for myself. They rub my face in it, you know, years later, you know, because um, we're out there, which is fine. But 
I think that's kind of the fun of it. You know, it's like we can't hide it, man. We were all thinking one of five other things would have been less surprising. Ten other things, you know. But I, I think so surprising. And, you know, like Matt said, I, I, I can't get myself to be crazy excited like this was the best possible move. But I do think I understand it. You know, looking back with hindsight, you know, I think we need to start to adjust our fandom a little bit and what we're looking at. Like if this experiment works with what we've been doing, we've been building a team. Clearly, we have a very, very strong defense, which is Salah's calling card. That was one of the things that we hoped he was going to be able to do. We also have some very electric offensive weapons. We went and got a Hall of Fame quarterback who looks young and virile and excited and, and you know, all this stuff. So if this works and we win 12-plus games and we're in the playoffs and, you know, and, and we win a game or two in there and, and on and on, if that all works, this is going to continue. This is what great teams or even good teams do, like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Niners. They draft a running back every year. They take wide receivers most years. They 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 don't, you know, kind of they they don't try to pack starters in the first three or four rounds. Like we've been doing that forever. I mean, dude, we wanted Lorenzo Malden, a third round pick, a reach in the third round. We were expecting him to be a dynamic pass rusher from the word go. Not because we just wanted it. We needed it because we were so devoid of talent. And the truth is, is while we could have, I mean, I think a Kalijah Kansi would have been a much more welcome kind of plug into this team than McDonald. But the truth is they had McDonald rated higher. You know what I mean? So they weren't going to do that, and they didn't feel the need to go for for need as you know over over BPA and all that stuff. And we might be seeing a lot more of that, you know, of of that than what we've been used to for the past twenty years, which is you know, shit, man. These draft picks had better be that influx of talent that we need to even be competitive, and uh, and that's a good thing. It's weird, and and I don't really love it right yet. I just don't. It's weird to me. But at the same time, if Will McDonald comes in, he plays, let's say he does the 30%, and he gets six or seven sacks or whatever it is, he's really good, and we're seeing him kind of be developed, him and Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens, and all these young guys are and Quinnen are kind of developing this new guard of young, you know, homegrown. We're going to be really excited. I know we wanted to go all in for Aaron Rodgers, and that's kind of the rub. But I think it's a good thing ultimately, and I've really warmed to it, especially looking at the, uh, you know, when you look at the draft chart of the highest athletic score, the Jets are number one. Like, that's something. You know, that's not to be overlooked, and there's a theme here, and I think I might like it if it works. Yeah, I'll admit, when we first had the the draft pick come up and they go, linebacker, I'm like, what? Uh, Will McDonald, like, (laughs) I did not do enough research on this. And, like... To, to hear his name get called out. It was funny. I think it w- was it earlier in that draft stream or was it a different day that we were talking about like, hey, is there a, a direction the Jets could go that would like disappoint you? And we kind of mentioned like cornerback and edge rusher were two areas of strength that we would be kind of disappointed if the Jets, you know, sort of went that direction. <laughs> so I think that's, we were kind of primed in that weird uh, sort of sense. But yeah, this draft to me, I think I was expecting it to be more about 
you know, loading up the roster to try and win now with Aaron Rodgers. And I think we have started to pivot a little bit. And I think some of that came from, you know, the tackles coming off the board just in front of us. And I think it, you know, some of that had to happen at that point. Um, and these draft picks looks like look like they were made for the future. Carl Lawson, last year of his contract. Bryce Huff, last year of his contract. So I can see a situation where Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson on the other side are like our two bookend edge rushers. One guy that can set the end, the other one can really get that bend, be that Brian Burns-esque uh, pass rusher that is Will McDonald. So I would say I was disappointed initially. I'm still not super thrilled with it because I, I do like the idea of you know, keeping Aaron Rodgers upright and and getting, you know, as many years out of him as possible. I thought that was like kind of the goal, but without the tackles on the board, going the edge rusher, knowing the needs that we're going to have in the future, I think it's a fine pick, you know, regardless of what, what our initial reactions were, I think cooler heads will prevail and we'll just kind of see, okay, this guy's going to make a ton of sense. You know, even if he plays the 35% of the snaps or, or whatever he gets for this one year as, as a situational pass rusher, if he can get a handful of you know impactful plays throughout the year whether that's a strip sack that leads to to some points on the other end like this guy can really have a large impact outside of you know just the percentage of snaps that he actually uh, contributes to so very excited for that i guess we go into the second round we're kind of expecting offensive linemen at that point because we didn't get one in the first round so we're thinking probably center provides the best value We've had both John Michael Smiths on the board and Joe Tipman on the board, along with a bunch of other centers. Matt, what were your feelings of the Jets going with Joe Tipman over John Michael Smiths, and, and how do you feel about the selection overall? Yeah, so that definitely did surprise me. I had John Michael Schmitz as the number one center, uh, but I understand why the Jets went that direction because they're betting on Tipman's athleticism. Um, he, he's taller than most centers at six foot six. But he's still someone who can come in and play, you know, right away. And with his added athleticism, one, he's probably a little bit of better scheme fit, even if right now technically JMS is the better prospect. But I just love what he can do uh, in the run game and when he gets out in space. I think it's going to be really fun to to watch him. But this was my favorite pick of the draft class. I think he's someone who can be a plus starter for this team for a decade, which is something they really haven't been able to find at center since they lost Nick Mangold after the 2016 season. It's been a rotating cast of characters. And, you know, hopefully that comes to an end here uh, with this Tipman selection. Greenbean, what about you? How did you feel about the Joe Tipman selection in the second round, possibly leaving John Michael Smiths on the board? What were your uh, your feelings overall about that selection? Well, I think uh, I, I agree. And um, by the way, uh, I really enjoyed both of your um, Let's Talk Jets radio segments. <laughs> I'd be lying if I wasn't slightly confused on uh, you know how both of you guys got a call and I didn't get an even a sniff. Uh, Tyson then, on stream asked you what I said. I think you might have been either busy or gave like a half answer at the time, but he he definitely asked you while we were on. What? I have no recollection. <laughs> That's madness. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> but it was really good, and I liked a lot of your both of you. You know, it's interesting because you had like you know slightly different answers, but even mm -hmm. now, like what what Matt said, I think you know we all thought that. John Michael Schmitz was the guy. And that we all also thought that he would never make it to 43. I mean, that was something that we talked about uh, ad nauseum. And he was there. So we just kind of assumed that, all right, well, look, he's there. We're, you know, we're likely to go center. 
We didn't get the tackle if that was, in fact, what we were doing. Um, but then you hear Joe Tipman. Now, I got that tip that they liked, you know, for lack of no pun. But I did get that that word that um, the Jets like Tipman a lot more than people are thinking. Uh, I was told that he was their number two behind JMS, but that probably was some smoke and everything else. But, um, but yeah, man, seeing him taken over JMS was was interesting, but that doesn't that doesn't take away my real like of the pick. I mean, I think it's a fantastic pick. I think he's going to end up starting for, you know, I mean, look, you know, obviously, hopefully without injury or, or anything like that, right? I think that if everything just goes smoothly, I think he's going to win the starting job. I think he should, and that's exciting to have somebody as aggressive, smart, athletic, big, strong, fast, all the things that he brings to the table is going to be really, really cool. So I think it's a it's a great pick. We've been wanting a center for years. Tyson talked about it on the stream. He said, like, dude, I we you know wanted, the last three years we've been calling for a center to be drafted, and we finally did it in the second round, which is premium, man. I mean, there was only really one guy taken, which was I think it was Steve Avila, and mm-hmm. he's kind of a a guard and the center, but I think he was probably taken more as a guard. But so we had our pick. So we got a premium center. We got our number one center, which is fantastic. It's good to see. I think, uh, I think it's exciting, man. We, and Mangold, I don't know if you saw it, reached mm-hmm. out to him and said, I know where to get some 74 sauce. It'll be in your locker or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I great. did not see that. Oh, it's so good. Like Mangold, dude, he's going right at it. You know what I mean? Like, good. We need my air up He's It's been like, you know, look, McGovern's been a stabilizing force, and he's mm-hmm. had his positives, and he's been good, but we all know we could use an upgrade, and it's nice to kind of bring in that higher pedigree, somebody that could be maybe what a Mangold was for us for five, ten years or so. Yeah, and also a homegrown talent, too. Like, we got McGovern from the Broncos. I mean, even Mawai we got from the Titans. So, like, to to kind of get another Mangold-esque player in here, he's the highest center drafted since Nick Mangold by the New York Jets. And I think them leaving JMS on the board is telling. I think it's it, it was clearly a scheme fit for what they were looking to do. I think it was definitely a personality fit, not that there's anything wrong with JMS at, at all. But I was talking to Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet last night, and we were talking about how he was doing some interviews with some people, and they were talking about all these different uh, you know, questions that were asked of Joe Titman, and it was like, okay, well um, hey, why don't you explain maybe it was his high school coach or something along those lines, you know, trying to give credit where things are due. And this guy was not giving himself the credit. He was talking about his coaches, his teammates, and all these different things. So a very selfless kind of player. Um, and I like that. I like that in what should be the leader of our offensive line. I like the size. You know, I know it's a little bit taller than than we're used to at center, but the speed is really there. I think we're going to have a, a locked-in center. And and really, that was the biggest hole on our offense heading into the draft. So to, to have that at least you know, a competition between the guy that was the center last year and him that should raise the the level of play overall. And regardless of who winds up starting, I do think Tipman eventually ends the season as the center. Um, and then not to mention, you get AVT on the one side of him, you get Lakin Thompson on the other side of him. And then they, they mentioned, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers behind him. He's got all pros all around him. This is a, a great nurturing environment. And it, with both the first pick and the second pick, kind of what Green Bean was saying was, hey, we're not expecting these guys to have to start. They have to earn it. 
but we have starters in place already that these guys are going to have to elevate their play in order to get onto the field. And I really like that because in years past, we have drafted players to fill a slot on the field. And we're getting to a point now where we have enough depth where we can develop guys. And we saw that with uh, Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens this past year, what that could kind of uh, how that could benefit the team. You're bringing them along slower. They're learning how to be a professional. They're earning their reps. And I, I think this is another, you know, sort of instance of that. I do find it interesting that Tipman and JMS are forever going to be tied together because of the yeah. positions that they play, the cities that they were drafted to. Obviously, JMS goes to, to the crosstown rivals, the Giants. Similarly to Andrew Thomas, who just had his fifth year uh, option exercised by the Giants and Makai Becton, who was selected by the Jets just a few picks later, did not have his fifth year option exercised by the New York Jets. So to kind of see that almost come into another phase and just sort of watch how this how these two careers play out, I think is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on like the the John Michael Smiths, Joe Tipman, you know, Jets Giants thing going on? Yeah, they are for better or for worse going to get compared. Uh, one because they're from the same draft class and number two because they went to you know rival teams in the jets and the giants um so uh it's absolutely something that people are going to be keeping a close eye on hopefully the jets end up on top with this one uh because right now i think it's safe to say andrew thomas has uh the edge on makai becton um so yeah for for this one i i hoping that it goes in the jets favor but you're 100 right they're going to get compared you know, for better or for worse, because one draft class and same position, and then number two. Oh yeah, by the way, they play. They both play in New York. Greenbean, any thoughts on the the John Michael Smiths, Joe Tipman, Jets Giants relationship? Um. Well, I look. I you know you brought that up on the on the talking Jets radio thing, and I think you're you're 100 right, man. I think uh, you know they're tied. I mean, there's there's just no way to do it. I mean, we chose. Tipman over JMS, who was widely considered center number one. And he went to the crosstown rivals. So there's a lot of you know, kind of added pressure. The good news is I don't think Joe Douglas gives a rat's ass about any of that stuff. Evidenced by the idea that, you know, look, number one, he's traded with the Patriots, traded with the Giants. He doesn't care about he's He traded with Miami, if you remember correctly, for that running back, but then he failed his physical, so it didn't actually come to fruition. But I mean, look, the Patriots screwed us, right? Dom C is in the chat saying that Chad Forbes said McDonald was the pick even if Broderick Jones was still there. Who knows? Hmm. But the theory is that the Patriots screwed the Jets. And then a little while later, Joe Douglas trades with the Patriots. He does not care. He doesn't get caught up in that sort of stuff. He's very measured is the word I keep hearing this week about Joe Douglas. And I think that's accurate. But as far as us, the fans, you know, we look at that stuff. And, and like you said, Becton and uh, Anthony, uh, 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 Andrew, Andrew Th Thomas. What the fuck is Thomas, Andrew, yeah, <laughs> Andrew so, Thomas. Geesh. Once I said Anthony, I was gone. I'm like, all right, I'm going to say Anthony something <laughs> weird. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, look, we don't know what Becton is yet. So, you know, the, the, the returns are still early and he was been injured for two years. So of course, stupid to exercise the fifth year option. You, you highlighted that really well a couple times this week, Ryan, with the, you know, mm -hmm. the pros and cons of, you know, exercising it or choosing not to. I mean, he's still ours for the next two years. If we want him. you can franchise tag him. I think it's what 2 million more than the, uh, than the fifth year option if you really want to. And, and then you, the way you put it was perfect. It was, 
um, then you're paying him for production as opposed to paying him for hope. And I think that's just so beautiful. It's not like, look, we're mm-hmm. with you, man. We support you. We want you to succeed. But you've been injured for two straight years. We're going to let you play this out. If you do well, we'll pay you. But we're not going to pay you now. You get injured again. Now we're locked in for two more years. And and it's just it doesn't make sense from a financial uh, standpoint to do that with him. But that doesn't mean that. Uh, Anthony Williams is any better, you know, or Andrew Thomas uh, is, is any better. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uh, but you know, it doesn't mean that their careers are are. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. you know, Mackay Beck is twenty four years old. You know what I mean? So let's, and he just mm-hmm. turned twenty four. So yeah, you know, there's a there's a lead going on right now. Somebody's behind and somebody's ahead. But uh, but again, you know, I think. It's not all written in stone, and the Tipman thing and the JMS thing is going to fall right in line. Hopefully, we can flip this and uh, and come out, e- even if they're just both really good. Let's say they're both Pro Bowl level guys. Fantastic. Who cares, right? We just don't want to be left in the lurch like the guy's cut hmm. in two years and then JMS is a, is a perennial Pro Bowler or something like that. That's what we don't want to see. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely – I feel very strongly about Makai Becton and like – the I'd rather pay a premium for production as opposed to, you know, that hope that we're going to get something out of it. And I, you know, I don't mind paying that little bit more and, and, you know, getting what we need to get out of it. Uh, before we move on to the next pick, Greg drops in. He says a lot of surprising picks. We plugged every hole with good character guys. So I'm pumped. Yeah. Good character captains. Those are all kind of the things that Jets definitely look for in their draft picks. AZ Jets comes in, says, Tipman greater than JMS. Enough said. Let's go. Go Jets. Blitzcrew hops in. He says, Becton down to 342. Sounds like he is ready. Yeah, I almost like the, you know, hey, we're not going to exercise your fifth year option. Get him a little pissed off and like, okay, I'll show you. Like, you're not going to believe in me. Like, that's some of the best uh, motivation you could possibly have. So if he's really down that low, good for him. Uh, the NY bully comes in and he says, this draft was kind. Uh, this draft has kind of grown on me, but I'm somewhat concerned about shorter, powerful defensive tackles taking advantage of Tipman's height and constantly keeping him off balance. I hope this, or I hope his athleticism shows. Yeah, I never really considered that. Like if you have a shorter defensive tackle that can really pop him in the chest and now he's kind of, he doesn't have the leverage to work with and he's kind of stumbling backwards. Is that, Matt, where you where you kind of have some concerns with, with Tipman? Is the size and the amount of leverage that could be had underneath him uh, the issue? Yeah, I'm very curious to see how he holds up, specifically in, I think, pass protection. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'll be interested to see that because you're right. Like that, we it's very rare that you see a center that tall, and a lot of it has to do with the leverage. So, uh, I think NY Bully brings up a really good point um, on this one, and we'll see how he adjusts. But the, again, the Jets are betting on his athleticism just over you know overtaking that hurdle, and uh, you know I, I think it's a safe bet. Yeah, Greenbean, are are you concerned at all with the height of Joe Tipman and maybe the leverage that a defensive tackle could have on him because of his height? A little. I mean, he's you know he's been this tall the whole time. You know what I mean? So he's created this career of his while being this height and weight. You know what I mean? So it's not like you know we go, oh shit, he's actually three inches taller than I thought. Uh, so, I mean, I think, yeah, the the balance thing is something that they talked about. But, again, he's still – he's shown enough with what 
he can do really, really well. That's kind of a, a, a thing to work on. And look, we have Keith Carter. He's a very, very well thought of offensive line coach. He's done, you know, he's had a lot of success and it's his job to kind of work through that with him. You know, we have McGovern here. He's, you know, if there's any issues, we do know that we could start him if in the event they're still working it out and he hasn't quite got it. But I, I think I think it's something that, you know, he's got the makeup, the the character, uh, the athleticism of somebody. He's gonna he's gonna be able to take care of that at the pro level, in my opinion, and I'm not too worried about it. So I got uh, Dom C up here. He says, Tittman is a very good knee bender. Leverage isn't an issue, especially because he moves so well. So that makes me feel good. If Dom Z is in on this, uh, Dom C is in on this. I'm, I'm a fan of this. Uh, guys, I've got a special guest behind the scene that's going to be joining us uh, for right now. So please welcome uh, Travis May from Mojo. Travis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm just... Uh... You know, I've been making the rounds talking to some NFL draft. I'm really pumped to talk some uh, New York Jets. I uh, myself am a Titans fan, but uh, I, I, they're, they're dead to me right now. So I'm trying to figure out who to root for uh, here in the near future. But uh, yeah, they didn't have a draft that I was super fan of, but I'm, I'm pumped to talk some Jets tonight. Yeah, glad to have you on. Now, uh, did you want to start with maybe some valuations? For those of you guys that don't know, Mojo is like a stock market for NFL players, and you can, you know, I don't know, Travis, do you want to kind of explain it a little bit sure. maybe better than I can? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's been, it's funny when I, when I talk to it, uh, anybody about it, they're like, wow, that's a real thing. <laughs> so, uh, but basically, yeah, it's, it's the sports stock market where you actually invest uh, or bet on uh, NFL players, college players, uh, NBA players, even uh, just like their stocks. And so real live stats uh, means real value to their uh, stock. And so we, we've got people that have, you know, their hands in every single sport, like in terms of like users that have, you know, their hands in every mm -hmm. single sport. Some people are just, you know, college football, some people are NFL, but it's, it's fantastic. And just to see, um, I kind of oversee the college portion of the market and to see the college players, you know, really develop and see their, their prices rise ahead of the NFL draft. And then to see so many of them actually land on NFL teams. Um, it's just a really interesting way to kind of look at sports stories, right? I mean, just to really see their value and their expectation uh, of their future career to really come together and just culminate in one singular draft moment. Uh, and so that was just a lot of fun uh, this past weekend, uh, managing, overseeing the uh, college market and just uh, seeing how that uh, that's going to play out in the next coming months, you know, as we approach uh, the real NFL season. Yeah, and I'd imagine a lot of this kind of stems from like where we think guys might get drafted in their fantasy drafts and how invested right. people are are kind of interested into these different players. Uh, now, the Jets selected two offensive playmakers in this draft, uh, Israel Abakananda out of Pittsburgh and Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. Uh, are there any other players, I guess, uh, I, in the past, Mojo's been what, uh, like quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, running back. Is are there any thoughts to maybe include some of the offensive linemen or any kind of metrics like that with uh, maybe defensive players or something along those lines? I would be all for it. I, I know that we would have to have a unique stat build uh, for mm. the defensive side of the ball, and it'd be really tough to track offensive line stats for sure. I mean, th there are um, some metrics that are getting there with offensive line play, but a lot of them are more subjective. So it's a little bit more difficult to track. But uh, I, w I was a fan of both of the selections that, that the Jets made. Uh, Izzy Abanakanda, he's going to be like, 
he's going to be like 20 years old for most of the season. Like he's a super young, explosive running back out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I actually had him rated higher than he went selected. Um, the mock draft data that, that I kind of put together in preparation for the draft, you know, I had like data on, you know, over 400 players and he was around, you know, pick 120 or so going in. And so for him to drop to around five, that was an awesome value. And same with, with, uh, with Coons, he was supposed to go, you know, quote unquote, supposed to go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we could debate the meaning, meaning of uh, mock draft data all we want, but he was supposed to go much earlier than round seven. Um, super athletic freak, you know, originally with Penn state and, transferred uh to old dominion to follow his offensive coordinator at the time with penn state to go there and when he was healthy he was dominant so i think uh he's an immediate impact kind of player um you know i I don't know how you guys feel about jeremy ruckert but he didn't he didn't really do anything for you guys last year uh and i would say he's an immediate upgrade over him at the very least so um yeah i was i was a fan of both those picks but really the whole draft uh the jets just seem like they're kind of turning in the right direction when it, when it comes to draft day selection, just in the last two years, I mean, what sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, uh, Brees Hall, and then this year, uh, big fan. So I like it overall. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of excitement for where, where these players could kind of be headed. I think it's a lot of upside. So this is probably a pretty decent opportunity. If you do like either one of these players, I, where are they valued out valued at this is their like initial starting point because i'd imagine they're a lot lower than some of the the first round guys like jameer gibbs or uh you know bijan or bijan robinson yeah so like bijan robinson i think he's around 14 dollars or so his uh, stock price but uh, izzy's uh, i think just over three dollars or so which uh, is not that bad but like in terms of projecting out their you know his overall career projection um, not super confident just because fifth round players are not uh, the safest projection for future NFL outcomes. Um, and, and given the talent ahead of him, uh, Brees Hall uh, is, is you know, one of the best backs in the league. Had he stayed healthy last year, uh, he probably would have been right there competing with Garrett Wilson for offensive rookie of the year. So, uh, I mean, he, he's incredible. So, uh, but I think what you guys probably saw and I, I at least I saw it this way is man when Brees was gone the drop off was <laughs> uh pretty pretty gross so to have somebody uh like a Benacanda come in uh that has uh peak athleticism uh brings maybe even a gear uh laterally uh just in terms of uh forcing missed tackles and things like that that uh Brees Hall doesn't necessarily even bring himself just you know a, a different type of runner slightly um uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I will say, you know, he didn't he does need to work on his play strength because uh, he he does go down when he is contacted. But uh, he's just so fast and so decisive that uh, you know if you really don't get more than a hand on him, you're you're in trouble. And you mes- mentioned uh, Zach Coons being one of the more athletic guys, and you know maybe should have gone a little bit higher than he he did. The Jets mm-hmm. have a pretty well stocked tight end room right now. We got. Uh, Uzama, we have Conklin, we drafted Ruckert, who's a fan favorite because he's a Jet fan. Uh, we hmm. kind of had him waiting in the wings uh, last year, maybe used him a little bit as a fullback. But where can you kind of see Coons ending up value-wise? Like, where is he at now and where where could he wind up? I mean, those. I mean, not to knock the, the Jets' tight, tight ends. Um, they're, they're not elite by any means, though. They're... they're <laughs> Solid, steady guys that I think um, you guys have locked up on cheap contracts, uh, cheaper-ish contracts that aren't aren't going to break the bank. So uh, you know, I, I, in a good spot overall at the position. But I wouldn't be surprised if Koontz is the most productive receiving tight end of the bunch in you know a couple of years, if not by the end of this season. 
Um, I know that's pretty bullish to talk about a seventh rounder that way, but I just see his, I don't know, I saw his potential uh, for multiple years in college, and I think he's right there. If he's actually given an opportunity, um, he might be the most athletic. He might be the best receiver of the bunch. So get him on the field and just see what happens. You know, like it's just you have other players that can create separation on their own as well. Uh, and if you had him in like even like a big slot role or even in line, you're going to be fine. So um, he could be the best option uh, in, by year two. So I'm curious, did you have valuations on all these players prior to going in like a like a dollar amount for what each one was worth? And then mm-hmm. did that change based on where they went? Because the Jets now have Aaron Rodgers. I can imagine maybe some yeah, if these guys had gone elsewhere, they might be scrubs. But coming over here, yeah. we know they're going to be stars. Yeah, well, that, that, that's what we hope, I guess, if, uh, if we're rooting for Rodgers being, you know, the best version of himself. Um, but yeah, Zach was actually supposed to be, I think, around um, $3 or so prior to the NFL draft. And now he's like under two. So he, he lost mm-hmm. quite, a, quite a bit of value just because I think he's actually just, just over one, actually, just because his seventh round picks are quite the projection typically. But we've, we've seen in, in recent years some later or at least mid-round tight ends actually pan out uh typically we want to see an earlier uh draft investment to project much success but he's going to be super cheap to keep and so yeah i could see him you know having a fantastic career if they actually like i said just give him the opportunity Um, but really more than just the offensive playmakers i really appreciated just even the, the depth picks and it's funny like looking at the um um it came up in the in the draft it was like the the pits there's like two Pittsburgh picks and a Western Michigan pick. I was like, that's odd. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if you guys really follow college like like I I do, but uh, I thought, man, that's such an odd combination. I wonder what sparked that. And then I re- remember the name Zayer Barnes because I I wrote him up after Western Michigan beat Pitt in 2021, and mm-hmm. um and I was like, oh yeah, that, he had like 10 tackles, two fumble recoveries, and they won like 44 to 41 in like Kenny Pickett's Heisman final season. And I, 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 was, I had to look at it. I was like, oh, my gosh. They, they went there trying to check out Jordan Addison, Kenny Pickett, and uh, Sky Moore. And they were like, who's this Zaire Barnes guy? And, you know, so, you know, some <laughs> scout just writing it down. Like, Remember that name because uh, that dude absolutely balled out. And, and since that time, uh, Zaire Barnes has really been rising up uh, the ranks, especially just fun to watch on, on Maction, <laughs> Maction Tuesdays and things like that. But it's funny, you know, two offensive playmakers that were on the losing end on the team that should have won are now teammates with Zier Barnes that took over that game. Yeah, no, uh, uh, like for the whole draft, you're you're a big college guy across the board. What did you think of the Jets' first pick, you know, the Will McDonald? I, I think a lot of Jet fans were kind of caught off guard because we feel like edge rusher is a real strength of our team right now. We were just kind of expecting something to help Aaron Rodgers out. Uh, so I guess where did you fall on, on Will McDonald to the Jets? Yeah, he's somebody that um, – you know, I, I play in the nerdiest fantasy football uh, leagues imaginable. And so, you know, you can actually roster some of these even defensive players while they're still in college. Oh, wow. And then they're automatically on your fantasy football team when they get to the pros. Really like next level nerd stuff. And uh, I, I remember drafting Will McDonald, I think, over two years ago, actually, uh, because it was like after his 13 and a half sack or 14 and sack season or whatever it was. Thinking, you know, he's not a, a blue blood. He's late, way late in rounds. I was like, he's, but he's super productive. Like, I'm not sure how athletic, how athletic he is. I'm not sure, um, you know, if he's going to get the capital. Even two years ago, 
but he backed it up with another solid season in 2022 and his sacks dipped, but his pressures were still solid this past year. And so I was thinking, you know what? Hey, this guy could actually go top 50. And, um, and I wasn't expecting him to come off the board at 15. I think most mock draft data had him, you know, in the thirties, something like that, but maybe, to, you know, at the end of the first to the chiefs or something like that. But, um, you know, if you're going to get just go with the guy who gets to the quarterback, you know, just go with the guy who has proven production, uh, plenty of starts, consistent pressure rate. Uh, so I, I was a huge fan uh, of his throughout college and just excited that he, you know, balled out enough to get mid first round capital. So it's a really solid player. And uh, yeah, I like the pick. Now, how much stock does ah, I see stock? How much how much stock mm-hmm. does Mojo put yeah. into guys like you know jumping over cars? Does that increase it by like a nickel or like where does where does yeah, this yeah. kind of you know fall into place? Uh, yeah, uh, you know I can't get into too too much proprietary information, but uh, I think that's that's <laughs> seven and a half cents. I think technically that yeah, if you can jump over vehicles, <laughs> um, any other viral videos, um, yeah, really help out for sure. So yeah, like smart cars, three cents sedan is like yeah. five cents. That SUV he jumped over solid seven and a half cents. I think it makes a lot yeah, of yeah, sense. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a, a lot system, of sense, you know? Yeah. Now, as far as the, our second round pick, Joe Titman center mm-hmm. coming in for the New York jets. What was your evaluation of him? The jets wound up taking him over uh, a center that I think a lot of people had as center one in uh, John Michael Smith's. I think I, I like that pick because he's like the the natural center. There were a few other offensive linemen in that similar pick range, like Cody Mock out of uh, uh, North North Dakota State and uh, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. That some people thought, oh man, that positional flexibility is fantastic. Like they could probably play, uh, you know, they could probably play either guard spot, center. Uh, Cody Mock was at the Senior Bowl was trying to play like all five spots. He was like lining up everywhere, just like put me anywhere, coach. Like put me in. I, I'm going to figure it out. And um, and so props to him for proving that he could be versatile. But if you want like the true, like a, a true center in this, in this draft, like Joe Tittman was the guy, you know, like he's probably not going to be a swing tackle for you if you need that to happen. But um, you want maybe the best center in the class, like natural center, he's probably the guy. And so um, I, I thought he would go even a little bit earlier. I thought John Michael Schmitz would even go a little bit earlier, but um, so get, getting in, in the middle uh, or so, you know, middle part of the second round is decent value for maybe the best player at his position. Matt and Greenbean, I've kind of uh, stolen the question asking, if you guys have any questions, feel free to to hop in. I'll give you guys the floor. Yeah, for... Yeah, well, I was, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. I was just going to ask for um, Brees Hall specifically. I know this is more college, but um, how with Izzy, join, like with Izzy joining the team, is that going to have an impact on Brees' stock potentially, is, or is that more just focused on how he's actually going to produce or projected to produce this year? Um, really, it, it is a, it's really their entire career bet. So it's like okay. not just this season, it's, it's kind of mapping out the production that we might see from his entire career. So his price is essentially what we believe in Mojo, um, and based on a variety of factors, whether it's buy sell action, um, you know, his age, his production, uh, the rate of production of players around him, uh, so many other things, but it's, uh, projecting essentially the middle outcome of his career. And so if you, if you think he's going to go for more production than that, you can go long, or if you think he's probably going to fade out, you know, earlier than, uh, what our, you know, numbers suggest you can actually go short. So, uh, I would say that, you know, as he doesn't really affect him too much because he's, as long as, Reese is the guy. He's going to be the guy. You know, he's going to be the feature back in a world where there are not very many. 
uh, feature backs, Brees probably deserves to be one of them. And so I, I definitely uh, am confident and uh, and pretty bullish on him. Gotcha. Greenbeam, what do you got? Well, I was curious. I mean, you seem to know your stuff and you say, you know, you're, you're into college and you're in a super nerdy uh, group there. Uh, I'm curious, and maybe you don't know any, but Trey Dean is an undrafted free agent that we brought in. A lot of people liked him uh, as a, maybe a, a you know, late round, fifth to seventh round pick, but he slid all the way through. We grabbed him, and the word on him is that uh, all the athletics, you know, athleticism in the world, but he doesn't necessarily have a strong ability to absorb and implement the, you know, the schemes. Uh, any thoughts on him? Is he going to make it? Is he a keeper? Is he just fodder? We brought in 16 UDFAs, so a lot of times yeah. half of those are the first to go. Do you know anything about Trey Dean that, that you can tell us up or down? Yeah, I do. So um, I, I'm friends with you know a few people who work at the Senior Bowl and, and the Shrine Bowl, and I think he was at the Shrine this year. And uh, you know the, there were a lot of buzz about certain players, especially Zay Flowers, who – uh, instead of going to the senior role, he actually chose to go to the shrine, which is super rare for especially like skill position players to do. So I was really intrigued and really mainly intrigued by him. But anytime uh, I'd ask about the defensive backs or other position groups, you know, like they'd highlight key names. Um, and I asked about trading because specifically when asking about the safeties, because I was like, Hey, you know, three or four years ago, he was supposed to be a big deal. Like, is he actually looking good? Like, what are you hearing from coaches? And like, it was, it was not nice. Like what I heard back, it was not uh, particularly nice about his, um, really just his ability to quickly intake and, and respond. Like he's in terms of like in, in, within coverage, like in run defense, um, he's going to be fine. Of like, if you just need an extra body and like a big nickel package, uh, sure. But you, you don't really want to put him in center field. Um, cause you don't necessarily trust him in that role to, to be, uh, kind of the, the most important part of like a deep cover, cover three shell. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know. It's just, I, I've not heard great things. And he, I don't see, I don't think he developed in a way that his uh, initial recruiting grade suggested that he might. And that was the case with several uh, Florida uh, defenders uh, in the last few years. And so I don't know what that is, but uh, Trey Dean's not alone in terms of being able to develop and ingest and uh, react um the right way in coverage so uh that that's one name that did stick out to me when i was digging through shrine bowl and and senior bowl notes so glad you brought him up but i'm not not sure he's going to be one that that sticks or is an impact player uh for the jets mm. so i saw phil come in over here uh he had an interesting question how did Brees compare to Bijan? Uh, he says he heard they were kind of like clones the jets wound up getting Brees obviously in the second round Bijan robinson goes top 10 uh, so, I mean, I, we, I think Jeff fans probably feel pretty confident we got some great value <laughs> in this, but, but how did the two running backs maybe compare? I mean, for me, like a lot of what I did for years, uh, before I, you know, jumped into like more of like a full-time, like real football focused, it was like fantasy focused. And so it was, it was like a lot of rate ranking and writing up these players years in advance, like when they were true freshmen. Um, and Brees Hall just didn't have the hype early on. Like he just didn't have the runway that Bijan had, I think. I think that their capital outcomes, the hype surrounding the players, if Bijan was, was in a different situation and had, uh, you know, averaged in his last six games of his true freshman season, like 11 yards per touch, like Bijan did, and had been the five star talent even in high school and had like multiple years of hype before he even stepped on the football field at Texas, it would be different. 
but playing at Iowa State, um, you know, you don't, you don't get the highlights and uh, really even like coming in as a true freshman, we didn't know if it was, you know, there's debate as to, hey, is it going to be Brees Hall or is it going to be Jarrell Brock, which that's a name that nobody knows because he's done nothing. Um, but like, it's just, it wasn't this, you know, this red carpet that was placed in front of Brees. And so I think a lot of people didn't realize how good he was until we got to the draft process and he tested way more athletic than any of us even thought he would. Uh, we knew he was, you know, good enough to be in, in the NFL, but and, and he should be a probably day two pick, uh, maybe a first round pick if somebody take a shot. But he tested really well too, and so uh, just checked every box along the way. And so for me, they're very similar players. I, I ranked them like side by side for I think two years uh, for fantasy football purposes and really real draft purposes. I just understood Bijan was going to get more hype because he's been this dude since like sixteen. But uh, Brees Young's very close. Now, I see a few comments in here. Uh, Pete wants to ask, uh, can we get Travis's opinion on if he thinks Zach will ever see starting time again? Uh, you know, obviously with Aaron Rodgers here, we don't know if he's going to, you know, ultimately be on this team beyond the Aaron Rodgers contract or, or how this kind of works out. What are your expectations or maybe what were they for Zach Wilson? How has it changed maybe over the course of the last few years? And where do you think his career may end up going? Yeah, um, just up top when we were talking about uh, how good he would be coming into the process, I wasn't really high on uh, Zach Wilson. I believe, I mean, it was a really good quarterback class with uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields uh, being like the, the the high pedigree guys that we knew were going to be first round pay, uh, picks for forever. Mac Jones being that QB three to the late rising star at Alabama, uh, to Trey Lance having that that miracle perfect season for North Dakota State. Uh, you know, we we knew there was all this potential, but still, uh, many people wanted to say Zach Wilson was quarterback two. He was my quarterback five uh, in that class, and um, and that's not to say that he was not going to project for any level of success. But um, dig, digging into his profile overall, he had a bunch of mediocre uh, production and a bunk, bunch of mediocre uh, outcomes up to his final season. And then in a, a year where uh, offensive, sorry, offensive efficiency was through the roof because, uh, well, the, the, all the defenses in that COVID year, I guess it was 2020, were an absolute mess. Um, like that was still, it's probably going to be one of the most efficient seasons for offensive production ever, like in the in the history of college football ever, just across, across the board. And a lot of his numbers were propped up by playing pretty bad competition. Um, or pretty unprepared competition. Like I remember, I don't know if you guys remember the uh, BYU Coastal Carolina game. It was one of the best yep. games of the year yeah. that season. Mm -hmm. that the one. And uh, he almost brought him back to win. He he had Dex Milne like right inside the five, and it, oh, I was like, it was an amazing moment. And like it, that was the game where many people jumped on the hype train. But even that defense, um, it was a bunch of guys who were not ever going to play in the NFL. Uh, so his, they were just competition questions, I think, for him even coming in. Um, and I don't think he was ready to take over an NFL franchise when, when he came in and he was probably thrust in a little bit too soon and that probably messed him up. Um, and so now I'm not really sure he's ever going to stick in the NFL. Jet drops in here and he says, who was your number one wide out in last year's draft? Obviously Garrett Wilson was taken at number 10 overall. He was the second wide receiver off the board. Uh, last year's receiver class felt a lot stronger than this year's. I mean, even purely just by the, the number of guys that went higher in the draft this year. What was your feelings of last year's class versus this year's class? Um, yeah, so last year my wide receiver one actually was Garrett Wilson. <laughs> so 
uh, props to you guys, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> and, and that looks like that was uh, the right decision. And uh, Chris Olave was my wide receiver, uh, sorry, wide receiver three. And prior to the draft and him landing with my Titans, who just love to destroy wide receiver careers, uh, Traylon Brooks was up there too. Um, but in uh, Drake London, obviously, I was a huge fan of his for a long time. But yeah, there, it was just a much deeper class. Like there were probably five guys in that class that would all be up for grabs in, in the wide receiver one conversation this year. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely weaker. I mean, th- this class had a lot of uh, depth in terms of like your speedsters and your small guys that can create separation, but don't have, you know, they might have real measurable concerns. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we were, we were left lacking uh, for wide receivers and, and true difference makers. I really like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, Zay Flowers, I was a huge fan of his. Jordan Addison has been a stud since like week one as a, a pit and at, even at USC fighting through injury. So he had, there's a few players that I, I really was higher on, but yeah, it's definitely a worse class. So you mentioned Jackson Smith and the Jigba there. He was in the same wide receiver room as Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. How did you compare him to those two receivers? He only played, you know, a handful uh, this past year because of the the hamstring injury. So how did you kind of view him versus the other guys? Uh, I was, I, I think he was really close, like maybe just one step down uh, from Olave and Wilson. His uh, really impressive season uh, was kind of buoyed by the fact that you're sharing uh, the field with Wilson and Olave, and you're in this hyper-efficient role uh, within that particular offensive scheme that they, they love to shove a, a bunch of volume to their slot option. Um, so it just kind of made sense that he was going to have a fantastic season. Like the year prior, uh, Garrett Wilson was actually in that role for the most part um, and not so much as an outside guy. And then when J- they moved JSN inside, uh, you know, we, we saw a lot of Wilson winning outside and that helped Wilson's overall resume because we saw him win all over the field in X, Y, and Z roles and um, prove he could just do it all. Uh, and whereas JSN has more questions because like 85% of his snaps were in the slot. And so, oh, is he only a slot? And I don't think he is. I just think that there were probably a couple more questions with him than with uh, Wilson or Olave. So Johnny Bravo hops in. He says, since the Jets are deep at cornerback, do you see value in trying to move uh, Jarek Bernard Converse? to safety since the Jets have a need there. Is that something that you think he might be able to to shift over and do? Uh, or do you think he, you know, he was a, he was a safety at LSU. Um, I think they announced him for the Jets, like on, on their Twitter or whatever, as like a cornerback. So I'm not really sure like what this guy could bring to the table. I saw his quarterback rating against was like, I think it was 104.8. So it wasn't like real great, but he was also a transfer into LSU. He wasn't like a four-year starter over there. Yeah, so um, I would say he's more of like your stereotypical wide corner. Like he, he really mm-hmm. did not play. Um, you know, they, they put him in the, in the box some, but in terms of like a, you know a free range, you know, free safety type player, like he's not that guy. Like even when he was, you know, he was a transfer from you know Oklahoma State. Like even even then, he was just straight up outside wide corner. And so to, to me, um, if you do that, that's fine. But uh, I think he might get lost a little bit early on. So it might be like forcing uh, a square peg and a round hole there uh, to try to make that work. So um, just, I would say maybe move somebody else out of their um, stereotypical role that might have a more natural fit there. If you're worried about, uh, you know, depth at the, at the safety position or corner position, because that would be, that would be making, I just don't see that fit at all, given his experience. That's the short answer. <laughs> 
so Matt hops in. He says, what are Travis's feelings about the Titans taking Levis? He sounded frustrated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how, how are you feeling about the selection? Oh, uh, you got that? You, you felt that? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was, yeah. I, I mean, just not, not super pumped about it. Um, he, realistically, he was like my quarterback four or five at best uh, in the class. Like his, does he have the you know proven pass efficiency profile that um, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud does? Uh, no, he doesn't. Does he have the elite athleticism that Anthony Richardson does? No, no, he doesn't. Uh, does he have a more proven success track record against the SEC like Kenan Hooker does? No, he doesn't. He literally has, yeah, nothing uh, going for him uh, <laughs> that would say he uh, should be a first round pick. And so it, it made sense that he dropped out, you know, quote unquote, dropped out. Um, but to, to be the f future of the franchise, like it's just gonna be really frustrating because he's not going to succeed and I'm going to have to have, you know, a few more years of uh, the Titans wasting their time and then being in great position to draft Arch Manning, I guess, in 2026. So maybe they'll have it figured out by then. Phil hops in with another question. He says, with the Jets sitting at 15, we obviously selected McDonald. We had Jack Jackson Smith and the Jigba there. There was Kalijah Kansi, all that stuff. If you were the Jets sitting at pick 15, what was the pick you think they should have made? Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to remember who was uh, Yeah, all the different options that were there. 15. All the tackles were off the board. Broderick Jones went just ahead of the Jets with the Steelers trading up. Um, uh, I would have probably gone Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez would have been the play there for me. Ooh, wow, interesting. I would yeah. not have thought corner. I mean, he's definitely. I think he was probably the best player on the board. That's that's. But then to me, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been wild. Greenbeat, how would you have felt if the Jets wound up taking Christian Gonzalez after taking Sauce last year and then having Reed and and all that good stuff? Yeah. After vomiting, you mean? <laughs> well, what, well, I mean, those were literally the two positions, cornerback and edge rusher were like the two things that were like, oh, I'd be like kind of bummed if we yeah. took that in the first round. We end up taking the edge rusher, so here's the opposite end of the question with yeah. like maybe a corner. I, yeah, it, it, it's true. Those were the two positions, but I think I would feel even worse at cornerback because there's no rotation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like Sauce mm. and, uh, and Reed are out there. We mm. have Eccles and... Michael Carter II, and even Bree, uh, uh, Bryce, Hall. Bryce Hall. You know, it's like, it's just, there's a lot there. Top 15 pick. I get it. I know what you're saying. I mean, he's a stud. Yeah, but, for me, it's uh, just, yeah, it's just I, 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 yeah, I advocate for just taking, to, to me, he's, he's he should have been a top 10 pick. And that's why, to me, it would have made sense. Just add, adding, uh, you know, ridiculous, it, it would have been, it would have felt like a luxury pick, you know, because you guys have fantastic studs there. Um, you know, maybe him or, you know, JSN, uh, that would have been okay because he was kind of, quote, unquote, dropping in that range too. Uh, but mm -hmm. outside of that, like, it was, they were just in kind of a weird spot because, you know, all the, you know, stud offensive linemen had just kind of gone ahead of that range. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it would have made sense to to reach for Kansi in that range. I think even him going at 19 was kind of like – it was kind of odd. He felt like a, a late first grade to me just because of the size concerns. And so, like, you you could have gone in so many different directions there as the Jets, just because of how the draft was falling. Matt, it looked like That's you had something rub. you wanted to. Uh, no, say there. I I think of the two, I would have preferred JSN over the the Gonzalez choice thrown out there. Uh, 
Because that the, then we're back to the days of the Jets taking interior defensive linemen over and over again. It's like, oh, it was the best guy. You had to take him. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. well, you know, well, now you got Muhammad Wilkerson and, you know, all these Quentin Copels and I get it, Richard yeah. Dallas. And, Wasn't there like that uh, back-to-back safety year, too? Like, uh, yep, yeah. Adams oh, in May, yep. round one, yeah, yeah. round two. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not our best thing. But Jamal Adams turned us into uh, Garrett Wilson and AVT. So, hey, Maybe McCagnon was yeah. thinking ahead of his time. That's right. He was a forward thinker. <laughs> Four D chess. <laughs> now, Travis, before I get you out of here, anything you want to plug or anything uh, you want to let the let the people out in the chat know? Oh well, sure. I mean, uh, if you guys uh, want to pick my brain about uh, you know college football or NFL draft or NFL anything. Uh, that, that's what I do. I eat, sleep, and breathe that basically every day. And so uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you want to come tell me I'm wrong about uh, who the Jets should, should have taken, that's fine. Um, and then, uh, yeah, definitely check out Mojo just because it's a, it's a lot of fun, uh, the sports stock market. Um, and that's just been amazing that I get to do that full time and overseeing the college portion of it. Uh, but yeah, and then I, I do a, a podcast where I talk uh, football with guys like you uh, and, and uh, talk about some fantasy football some college football nfl stories and things like that on uh, college to canton uh podcast so yeah that's that's where you can find me these days i cut out all the writing stuff for the most part which actually feels good because uh that, that's a grind i love it i love it travis thank you so much for joining us tonight guys make sure you check out travis uh on twitter follow all his stuff he's got the podcast and everything if you want to learn some great inside knowledge also check out the mojo stock market they got some great things going on over there travis thank you so much for yeah. hopping on, and you have been. Thanks so much. Ejected <laughs> from the cockpit. <laughs> there you go. Uh, always fun. Always fun to have uh, have these guys on. I love that sort of stuff. Matt, any thoughts about Anytime what uh, Travis was kind of? Oh, I love launching the chicken across the screen. It's chicken always great. The best. Did was there anything that stood out to you that Travis was kind of talking about with our guys, or even like you know some of the players you know from last year's draft? Um. Yeah, I I was really I was curious. That's why I asked him about Brees Hall and if he thought there would be any impact on you know the Jets adding yet another running back. Uh, I'm still trying to shake the Gonzalez at 17. Uh, that was <laughs> that was uh, that was an interesting, an interesting one. But yeah, I'm excited to see what how these guys uh, you know develop uh, and how their stock prices are impacted by that. Yeah, Greenbean, anything that Travis said that sort of, you know, piqued your interest or, or you know? Well, well, I think, you know, falling in line with the idea that Mike, Mike McDonald, Mike, I, dude, I do that constantly. <laughs> Will McDonald, Mike McDonald. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just that he was kind of considered a late first, um, even early second round pick. You know, it, it's it's tough. It, it's tough to swallow. You can see why Joe Douglas would want to slide back a little bit. I'm sure he had a sneaking suspicion that maybe at least another team out there also saw what they saw in him and didn't want to risk losing him if he was their number one at that point. Like, let's say the report that Broderick Jones being there didn't change anything is true. Um, you know, in, look, if he's your guy, even though the value isn't there, like, would it would we feel that much better if we took him at pick twenty one? Like, is it that? I mean, it is, right? You squeeze the lemon, of course, but losing your player is significantly worse 
than mm. losing, you know, a third or a fourth, whatever you can. I mean, th- those picks were going for fourths. Oh, yeah. I mean, how burnt would you have right? been if you traded, like, traded down and you picked up an extra fourth and you thought this guy was going to be there? Now you lose him. Now you're getting someone yeah. even, you know, of a lower quality and you, you kind of shot right. yourself in the foot. You know, select the guy you've fallen in love with, even if it's a few picks ahead. You know, don't worry too much about the value at that point. Yeah, the only good news is that Jets fans would nobody would have known. I mean, we we wouldn't have known that they lost out on friggin'. We would have laughed at the next team. Ha ha ha! What a reach! We would have done that. Uh, Will McDonald, get out of here! Who's? But you know, Salah brought up a good point, man. In his, uh, I think it was a post draft when he said, "Look, in Seattle, we had a stretch. We took Bruce Irvin, which I remember that draft. I was at. I know exactly where I was. I believe that was the one we took Muhammad Wilkerson. I believe." Um, but Copels, I, I, I remember Wilkerson or Copels, right? One or the other. Um, yeah. But uh, but uh, I remember when they took Bruce Irvin, and just the the across the board like disdain, like oh my god, they don't know what they're doing, blah blah blah. Then they followed it with Wagner and then Russell Wilson, and it was like, dude, they just gave Matt Flynn this huge free agent contract. Like, why are you using a third round pick on a quarterback? And, and you know, we all know how it happened. Saul said they gave us a D. And nobody's talking like that now. And that's kind of the thing. Like, you just let – you trust your evaluators. You trust your staff. And if you have a guy rated eight picks higher than, than you know, all these other guys, than Kuiper, like, so be it. And you take your guy that fits your system. And But but it's interesting to just hear – like, I, I don't disagree with what Travis was saying. It's just interesting to hear, you know, across the board pretty much – Everybody had him kind of in that later pocket, and we, you know, could be called a reach. You know, that's what we did, which is interesting. It's it's really going to be fun to watch it play out. Hopefully, we come out on top. Mitt Flair hopped in, and he says, "Your guys' reaction live to the Will McDonald pick is an <laughs> oh, absolute yeah. gem. I can't stop watching it. What the hell is going on? I should have saved it. I should have had the clip like pulled up, ready to you show because." It? I well, I have it, but it's not like clipped out in a way that we could like show it and everything, because uh, that was just so funny. I had people at at my work who like, you know, they were talking. They they know I do the jet stuff and everything, and they're like, oh, like what was Ryan's reaction for for that pick? And they had the screenshot of the three of us in a line, <laughs> and it was going around my work because it was just so funny. Just everyone was just like dumbfounded at like what just happened. Yeah, that was the one. My yeah, that was my wife sent that one. She's like, the best. dude. I can't believe your three faces. She just wrote <laughs> deadpan. <laughs> it was so like, funny. <laughs> yeah. We didn't know what yep. to do. We had nothing. Dude, I've gone back and rewatched that and that what just happened? It, it just yep. like it, it it just hits home. Like it, that is the thought that was going through all our heads. Yeah, and it's funny because we were so psyched by Kyle Stickles. I mean, dude, he like stirred up the soul. It was like, yeah, what? What happened? What just? Fucking, I don't know what this happened. I'm like amped up, like ready to go. Like uh-huh. this kid's about to pick JSN, and we're gonna lose our mind. And it's a guy I wasn't prepared for. No. <laughs> like what? What the heck? Ah, well, amazing. let's hop back into some of our some of our draft evaluation in there. So we we got through picks one or first round, second round. We wind up not having a third round. We trade down with the Patriots. In the fourth round, going from pick one, uh, what was it? Pick one twelve down to one twenty. We wind up selecting the pit tackle Carter Warren, and then shortly after, at the top of the fifth round, we select the running back from Pitt 
Izzy Abacanda. I'm going to screw this up. Abanaconda. There you go. That's, I'm going to I'm going to have to slow mo that name every single yeah. time I read it. Um, so what were you guys I, I, thoughts I on going back to back Pitt and just those two guys? Greenbean, I'll let you let you go first. Well, you, I was just going to bring number one. It's a little trick. I want to say the K before the N too. It just feels natural. Abacananda. I don't know why, but we'll get it. We'll get there. It's new, right? It's new and fresh. Only a couple of days in. You're doing fine. But I like you brought up that picture, Ryan, with mm -hmm. uh, three of our draft picks. Um, Xavier McDaniel. What the hell is the guy's name again? It, it, uh, it was Zaire. Carter Warren blocking. It was uh, Izzy yeah. running the ball, and then it was Zaire Barnes tackling him. It was like all three guys in oh, one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one highlight. It's a great, such a great shot, man. And that's yeah, it's super cool, man. I think uh, it's it's exciting, it's fun to you know to do that, you know. And then we grabbed another pit player uh, as an undrafted free agent, who by the way is considered. I mean, he's a very highly can you know uh very very well thought of guy problem with him is that his athleticism isn't you know he doesn't really have any his, his thing is like the will to succeed you know what i mean he's got mm -hmm. measurables his size and strength and all that but anyway it's just interesting to see us bringing three guys from pit you know from one school in here i think that's uh i think it's cool matt how did you feel about the uh carter warren and izzy picks yeah, so for me, Carter Warren, I think, is going to be, you know, offensive tackle depth. I don't really have an expectation for him to play all that much this year. I think maybe best case scenario, he develops into, you know, a potential starter down the line. But I think more than likely, he's just going to be a serviceable backup, which is okay. I mean, getting a serviceable backup in the fourth round is more than okay for me. Uh, and then I think Izzy is someone who's going to have uh, a pretty nice impact uh, for the Jets this year uh, because Brees Hall, I don't imagine they're going to give him a 100% workload early on in the year. Plus, he also has return um, experience. So I, I kind of think he's going to be like this team's version of Leon Washington from back in the day. He'll get he'll get some touches. He'll be involved in special teams kind of, you know, all over the field with his speed. I know Matt likes him some, uh, you know, was it, did you said Bilal Powell? Is that what it was? Or no, Leon Washington. Leon, oh, that's what it was. I had, I had Powell in my mind and I'm like, oh, Washington. Because I also always talk up Bilal Powell, but I do love me some Leon too. Yeah, I think with these two picks, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you as far as tackle goes. There's a lot of hope with like the the length of his arms and everything and the size. And had he, I think it was stayed healthy, he tore his meniscus uh, last year. So maybe with a, a healthier uh, body, maybe he goes even higher than the fourth round. So I, I think that's going to be an interesting one to kind of watch. A developmental tackle, I think I sort of put him in the same mold as, you know, Max Mitchell and Cam, Cam Clark, you know, in our, our last few drafts. Someone that you can develop slowly here with a lot of upside and then with izzy i do think he has a little bit more of an immediate impact because of the injury to Brees hall because of the maybe shaky footing that carter might be on uh, and you don't really know fully what what bam knight's going to be i think a lot of it's going to wind up hinging on this offensive line and whatnot uh justin pops in here he says besides titman who else can make an impact on this team immediately so i think that's probably this is going to be a really interesting question. I'm curious to see where you guys go with it. I know who my answer is going to be uh, right now, uh, but I'll go to Greenbean first. Who do you think could have an immediate impact from this draft class on our team, Greenbean? 
Well, besides Tipman, I don't like that, Justin. I wanted to say Tipman. But um, I think Izzy is one that I think, um, you know what it does? It allows us, and we talked about it a little bit, but I think it allows us to uh, to kind of take a little bit of a slower roll with Brees. We don't feel that need. Um, Tyson said, from Let's Talk Jets Radio said it well. He said he would rather have Brees at 100%, you know, mm. week 14 than week two you know what i mean like it's it's not to say all games are important and all that but but we already know man look we were seven and three last year riding a wave and we didn't make the playoffs there were teams like the steelers and and the you know they they were looking like they were going to be have their first losing season and they come out with a winning record and, and and it's like so winning in december later in the season is really where it's at so you know, rushing Brees back, I think, could be fool's gold. We we might regret that. So Izzy, I think, gives you the ability with with Michael Carter. I don't I don't really like how so many fans have just abandoned him. Like he had a mm-hmm. good season, an exciting season for us. Then he had a down year for myriad reasons. Who knows? We have, we know the Lafleur thing and and all that. He looked good early, and then it's like he sucks. Well, why does he suck? Why he was fine, then he had a bad. Now he sucks. So I don't. I'm not there. I think Michael Carter, Bam Knight. And now Izzy, that little group could could really have some impact. Because let's not forget, man, the reason that the running game shut down last year is we had no threat of a passing game. It was mm-hmm. teams were daring us to let Zach or Mike White or Streveler or Flacco beat them. They're like, go ahead, man, throw it around. We'll just put our guys, man, and we'll put eight, sometimes nine in the box. We're going to take your running game away. And that's kind of what we saw. That's not happening with Aaron Rodgers, man. It's not. Go, You do that, he's going to slice your head off. And they know that. So I think the running game is going to open up a little bit. And adding Izzy to that, I think is going to be helpful. Because, I mean, what's the term we see? A home run hitter, man. That's what this guy is. He can take it to the house anytime. And that's exciting. And I think that allows us to kind of slow roll Brees. But I also, I wouldn't just assume that Will McDonald isn't going to have an impact either i mean it'll be limited but i think if he's that good he might be exciting too but i would say izzy's the guy matt how about you where are you thinking uh, who might have the most immediate impact on this team outside of Titman? yeah to me there's only really the only choices are are izzy or will mcdonald izzy i think is mm-hmm. going to be or end up being rb2 and i'm with green bean too by the way i don't think you should completely discount uh michael carter i think he is a bounce back candidate um and also uh with will mcdonald i think his impact on third down getting after the quarterback could be really big uh impact on this team too um so i i think it's really one of those two guys yeah that's funny that's actually exactly where i was gonna go uh (laughs) will mcdonald as much as i was surprised with the pick i think he has the ability to impact the game in such a strong way because the way he would impact it would be strip sacking the quarterback and now all of a sudden it's change of possession it's you know a loss down or it's a you know a big loss uh overall i think even with limited snaps even if he's playing 30 percent of the snaps if he's in those situational pass rush situations kind of like we saw with with bryce huff i think he could have that really big impact now i do think izzy probably has maybe more of a a well-rounded impact overall. Like it might be, you know, he might score a few touchdowns, but from an expectation point, I kind of have a little bit more expectation for Izzy, I guess, because of the Brees injury than I do for Will McDonald. I probably have lower expectations for him just because of the depth we have at that particular position. Uh, So great question, Justin. Did you, you didn't freeze us. 
with the 20. Yeah, the opportunity oh, yeah. to freeze. Justin. Yeah, Justin. Let us know who you want to freeze. I vote drop Dave. it in there. Drop drop it in the chat. Randy says, uh, McAfee show, you guys see Aaron. He sounds excited. I did. I caught half of it. I didn't actually get to listen to the full thing. I was driving home today, and I, I caught like a little bit of it. But yeah... It seems like Rodgers is very excited to be a New York Jet. You know, he's going out on the town. He's going to the Knicks game. He's going to the Rangers game. Uh, all that good stuff. And it seems like, you know, he's just he's trying to learn the names. He's getting the, the the chemistry there. All the stuff that, you know, not to say that he, he wouldn't do it in Green Bay or wasn't going to do it in Green Bay, but I think the concern with Aaron Rodgers for me was the level of commitment that he'd, he'd have. And while this isn't necessarily football related stuff it is chemistry building and it is showing like uh hey i'm not just some guy that's collecting a paycheck for this year and i'm not you know it's, it's different than Favre. like Favre was kind of like stuck here because of when he came out of retirement rogers chose here and i think that you know selection of the new york jets and then maybe realizing where things could have gone wrong last year in green bay and how uh you know not having the connection with your wide receivers or, or maybe understanding certain plays um, maybe did not end up with the best, uh, you know, end results there. So Greenbean, what did you think about, uh, Aaron Rodgers on the McAfee show? Dude, how happy does Aaron Rodgers look? He's so excited. He talked about Garrett Wilson and he talked about meeting everybody and going out on the town. He said it was a great week. He said he's finding out where the bathrooms are and all that shit. He's like, it's so great. He's like, it's like the first day of school, I think is how we put it. Uh, you know, dude, I it's it's like we were told we're getting a grumpy bastard. And uh, and who knows? Maybe, you know, the, the, the luster wears off, the sheen dulls. And, and you know, that's very possible. But... You know, he's kind of been in this situation up there where, again, like, you know, they drafted his replacement. You know, they're not giving him weapons. They're taking guys away and, you know, different coaches. He had the whole problem with Mike McCarthy, and then they get Matt LaFleur, and the first thing he did was draft Jordan Love. So he's kind of been in this this uh, kind of this pattern where it's like they don't really want me here anymore, but he just keeps making it so they can't get rid of him. I mean, they drafted Jordan Love. And he follows that up with two back-to-back -back MVPs. And uh, I think coming over here with the offensive coordinator that he did that with, uh, Alan Lazard, a wide receiver, that he did that with. Now we got, what's his name, the offensive lineman. I want to say Turner. Tim Burton. Dude, I'm ridiculous tonight. I don't Billy know what's wrong. Turner. You're just throwing you names Tim all Burton. over. <laughs> I'm ridiculous. I can't he's, think of that. Tim Burton's here. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Batman. <laughs> Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of like familiar faces to go with like a really exciting young team, man. And, you know, he talked about Garrett Wilson, uh, compared him to Devonte Adams a little bit. And he said, he was just like, wow, you know, I don't know how much of, yeah. Can you wow Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers anymore? Maybe you can, man. If he's, you know, playing with rookies that aren't, you know, like last year was like one, you know, first and second year guys that are good. You know, I, mean, I think I think a lot of their young wide receiver core up there, I, I I do, but at the same time, you know, they're not Garrett Wilson. There's no Garrett Wilson up there, and maybe he is excited about playing with them. And then you got the sauces and all those guys that are just so excited to have him here. Uh, it's nice to see and and talking about it on McAfee. I hope he does it just like he did up there every week. I think that'll be neat to kind of hear his take. Um, but I'm liking Aaron Rodgers, man. He looks refreshed. He looks. 
um, like he's into it. And that's really what we want. And maybe we'll even have him here for five years. Wouldn't that be nice? Five years. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, how are you feeling about uh, Rodgers on the McAfee show? What did you think? You guys see, I'll I'll read it if you guys didn't see it, but the quote of him talking about Garrett Wilson, just I did not. I, I was I, didn't, I, was pitching, I didn't see it. Uh, I was pitching a tent the rest of the day. Uh, he's a talented guy, man. I threw him a pass today and just kind of turned and was like, wow. He would then care. Um, he then compared Wilson's ability to get in and out of breaks to Devontae Adams. Oh my God! I can't stand up. Yeah, <laughs> that is amazing. Red John hops in and he says, none of those offensive tackles were guaranteed to start. Um, yeah, but neither is Will McDonald. I think that's that's kind of where we were at. We're, I think a lot of us were hoping that the pick that we were making at 15 was going to be a pick that would help Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and adding a defensive player to an area of strength kind of threw us for a little bit of a loop. So even if it was an offensive tackle, that needed to, to sit for a year or even half the season, you still have Makai Becton, who's in a contract year now. You have uh, Dwayne Brown, who's 38 years old, going into the final year of his contract. You got Max Mitchell with blood clots. So you, you don't have anyone at that position right now. So it didn't the, the tackle didn't need to start. It just needed to make sense as a developmental person for the future. Will McDonald does, but we have the starters in place right now that I think a lot of us felt comfortable with. Um, now, I want to slide into a few more of our draft picks here. Uh, we, we obviously talked about the two pick guys. We made uh, selections in the fourth and fifth round. The Jets wind up trading down from pick 170 with the Raiders to get pick 204 and 220. I know we had a few comments about that throughout the, uh, the draft stream. Maybe we dropped a little bit too far, saw a few big names come off the board. The player we select at pick 184, uh, granted, you know, that's the, that's, our own pick at 184, or actually, I guess the the Patriot pick that we got in the trade, we got linebacker Zaire Barnes uh, out of Western Michigan. So, Greenbean, how did you feel with the Jets dropping back from 170 to 204 and not having a pick for basically 14 picks after that selection that they traded down? Did you think we lost some guys, or, or how did you feel about the linebacker pick in round six? Well, I think we definitely, I mean, I don't, maybe they didn't lose their guys, you know, but they lost a bunch of guys I liked. I mean, it was a whole string of guys that were there, but think about this. So we traded 207 for, for 170 in the Aaron Rodgers trade. Then we parlayed 170 into 204 and 220. So it's kind of, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know. Did we really lose anything? I mean, you know, we even jumped up three spots from where we originally were and added 220, which was able to get us uh, the, the most fun name in our draft. You know, so we were able to do all that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, again, like there were guys I liked in there, but clearly, you know, Joe Douglas and team felt like, hey, we're in a we're in a place now where. It's all about Raz scores. It's all about, you know, character, athleticism, things like that. And there and there's a whole mess of dudes. They're all on the same tier. Let's go ahead and get two dart throws instead of one and uh, up our chances a little bit. And I think there's logic to that. Would I do it? Maybe not. Uh, would I have done that? No, maybe not. But I, I do understand why, and I like I like the reasoning behind it. And I, I, I also like the direction. I mean, late in the draft, athleticism is king. 
you know, athleticism and character, you know, like work ethic, things like that, that, you know, uh, well, which is interesting because Zach Koontz, I mean, the rub on him is kind of that he relies on his natural ability, his size and strength and speed. He doesn't really want to work all that hard. So that's going to be Salah's uh, job to do that. But athleticism and character in the fifth to seventh round are probably a pretty damn good bet. You know, it's like, uh, it's like betting the odds on the wheel. You know what I mean? You don't, you know, not, you know, not betting on one number, but just taking black. And therefore, you up your chances to 50%. You win less, but you get 50%. So, yeah, anyway, I think it was ultimately probably a good move. Matt, how did you feel about, you know, trading down and making the selection of the linebacker in the sixth round? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think Zaire Barnes is probably my least favorite player from this draft class. Um, I think the Jets even kind of reached on him. I saw a lot of people were saying that like they didn't have him as a draftable player. He was probably a UDFA. Um, so I thought he went a little bit early, but he's probably going to be more of a, more of a special teams guy, which is fine. You could use those late, you know, day three guys as, as uh, special teamers, but even still, there were a couple guys that we were throwing names around where it's like, ah, oh, you know, would have liked to grab him. So, um, don't mind the position they went after, but don't know how much I love that player particularly. Justin Crazy hops in. You dropped another $20 Super Chat. Justin, you get to freeze one of us. You get two freezes, actually, because you did the Super Chat earlier. So let us know who you want to freeze for the one-minute freeze, uh, and we'll get that figured out as well. Justin says, rank the players in the rookie class from best to worst. Ooh, this is a good good thought experiment here. Um Best play, well, I mean, best player to worst player would be exactly the draft order that we we went in because best player available, right? Like the really good players are not necessarily going to get drafted, you know, lower. But I do think you can apply value and and deem that maybe uh, or weigh that against where they were picked. So for me, I really like the Tipman pick. I think that was the biggest hole on our team overall. And getting him in the second round, having all your choices of, uh, you know, centers at that point, I thought was a really, really nice thing to to get. So I'll say Tittman was my favorite. Uh, and I guess, I don't know if we should rank, do we want to rank all of them together and see if we can come up with a consensus? Or do we want to try and give maybe our favorite and our worst rather than like mm -hmm. trying to split hairs? You think we would align? You think we'd land on the same spots? I don't know. Let's 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 do this then. Let, who's your favorite player, both from like uh, this is the best player, when also thinking about their value that we got them at? Matt, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I would. I agree. I would rank Tipman one. Um, I, I definitely think that for like you said for value and where they got him, that he would be one by far. I think. Greenbean, do you think Tipman's the same? Yep, I'm right there. Tipman. All right. So we, we got Tipman figured out. He's, he's our top draft pick. Then I think this is where you might start seeing people go in a few different directions. Uh, I'm going to say Izzy at running back just because we thought we needed one. Wasn't sure if it was going to happen in the draft or not. Douglas has brought in a running back in every single one of his drafts now, going from P. Ryan to Carter to Brees and now to Izzy. Uh, I think the value that he could provide with Brees having, you know, coming back from the injury, I think maybe that might be my next selection. Matt, where do you go? We're two for two. I would have went Izzy next also just because of impact. Mm, Green Bean, 
you feeling something similar or you got a different guy? Wait, I'm sorry. What do you say? Izzy? Izzy was number two. That's yeah. That's where I'm actually, I want to say Will McDonald so bad, but I think Izzy. Yeah. I, I think Will McDonald winds up going third for me. Um, and it's probably, it's a weird way to say I'm splitting hairs going from a 15th, you know, overall pick in the edge rusher and then possibly thinking a little bit about the tight end <laughs> in the later parts of the round. But I would say Will McDonald's my next guy, and that's because of the the premier position that he plays, the valuable strip sacks that he could bring to the table. Um, even though it's a rich position that we have, we saw what our defense looks like when you lose Carl Lawson and when you lose Vinnie Curry. Uh, and if you're not scoring points where you could take advantage of the pass rush, you know, that's a big issue. So so bringing in Will McDonald and having him when we have two guys that are on expiring contracts, I think he would probably be number four, or was it number three on my list? One, two, three. Yeah, he'd be number three on my list. Uh, Matt, is that where you fall, Will McDonald, or you got someone else? Three for three. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Green Bean, I'm assuming McDonald's here for yeah, you. Yeah, look at us. Look at us. We're all together. So this, so this next one, I guess this next one could be interesting. Because I think it probably falls down to Zach Kuntz or Carter Warren. And Carter Warren provides the depth that we needed at a position of, you know, I, I don't know if I would call it weakness, but definitely a, a thinner, you know, margin of error when you're talking about the tackle position. Where Kuntz is definitely more of the high upside, you know, crazy RAS score. Could this guy wind up being a, a real playmaker in the future? We're not probably going to use him right now. I don't know what happened to Green Bean. He disappeared. Oh, there he is. Hi, Green Bean. Um, <laughs> weird right now. I'm nervous. It's it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I guess I'm going to, hmm. I'm going to say Carter Warren because he, he had the meniscus tear this past year. I think it's interesting to see where he could have gone had he not had that injury and he was able to participate in the combine and the senior bowl. And, and you know pro days and stuff like that matt where do you fall on this next pick do you think there's value somewhere else other than the tackle this is where we differ for the first time mm. i would go i would go Kuntz and then warren so i flip mm. flop probably the direction that you're going uh i think where they got him in the seventh round is uh really intriguing now i you do bring up a good point too with the injury to warren and really how that impacted his draft stock um, but I give a slight edge to uh, Kuntz. Um, I think there's could be a role down the line. Not this year. I think he's probably a practice squad guy this year. But um, I think there could be a role with him as a um, as a big slot. So I, I'm going to go Kuntz and then Warren next. Greenbean, where do you fall on this? I want to say Warren and I want to say Kuntz, but I can't. I think that Jarek Bernard Converse is penciled Ooh. in to be the Pinnock replacement project. The good news is he's actually, uh, he might be a better candidate to switch from, you know, naturally switch from safety and be, I mean, from cornerback to full-time safety and actually make an immediate impact. He'll be competing with Tony Adams and, and Ashton Davis. That's fine. But I think that he's going to, He's got a real shot to win the starting job. Uh, so I think he's he's a real interesting to me, man. I think I got him at four. So I'll ask you then, I guess, what is your next player after that? 
Uh, Carter Warren, because Koontz, mm. as much as I want to love him, and I do, dude, mm. he's a, he made it to the seventh round, dude. There was 716 tight ends taken before him, and he's got the athletic profile and the, everything you want, but there's a really big deal uh, with him. And again, it's somebody that – it's one of those guys that just like always had the natural stuff, and he mm. relies on that. And like the the rub on him, I read it in a couple places – is that how was it put like his can do attitude is missing mm, you know so interesting again like Salah's the great motivator that's probably why they said no we just give us this guy we know exactly how to reach him that's fine and i hope it's the case but at where we stand i just struggle to put him above guys like uh converse and who i didn't like initially you know i didn't you know but uh and Warren. Warren I like. I think I think Matt might be right. I mean, he might be a, you know, a long-term backup, but I think he would be good at that. Kind of like that Chuma Idoga role like 3 4 years just as the like you know he's here, he knows the system and and all that kind of stuff. But uh I think he could compete for a starting job too. I mean, he's got everything you want. He's just raw. I yeah, I like think him. for me when I start thinking a little bit more about like I I'm going to jump to like who I think the who who maybe is the worst pick of our draft class and I think I'm I'm somewhere between Zaire Barnes and Jarek Bernard Converse and it's more so just because like we only saw one year at LSU from him so like is there like can he live up to the you know the NFL caliber of player is there going to be a position change potentially in there with him and then I, I mean I guess I view him and Barnes both as special teams guys the high motor you know they're not going to quit which is nice like uh J just start throwing acronyms around J JBC uh I believe it was him yeah, had the yeah. really nice rundown of a player that was screaming in the end zone and they wind up tackling him uh, or he winds up tackling him at like the 15 yard line and I don't know where that drive ultimately ended right. up being but a guy that has the hustle to get all the way down the field and to like you know stop that like that scoring opportunity that could be a four point swing in any game you, you turn a touchdown into a field goal so I, I like that from both of them I would say that they're those two are probably you know one two as far as like maybe not as enthusiastic as some of the other picks there matt what about you you had mentioned uh barnes possibly as your your least favorite yeah so that's what i'm gonna end up doing barnes will be my last guy and then uh bernard converse right in front of that i, I just both bernard converse and well really bernard converse Carter Warren and uh, Kuntz are all kinds of projects in a sense that uh, for for Warren he is coming off the injury. Kuntz is just just an athletic freak who needs to be developed, and Bernard Converse is changing positions. So I think the position change is what knocks him down a little bit because I don't know it might take him a little bit to get as effective as some of these other guys. Um, so that's why I think he uh, is six on my list, and then Barnes is. Uh, seventh by a pretty nice margin i think for me uh we got crossfire hopping in crossfire says overall i'm impressed with this draft for how much of a drop-off there was in talent um so i guess do we still view this draft as weaker at the top half of it um like we did prior or do we have maybe a different opinion now that we've seen some of the draft picks and where they wound up going um, I know some of my guys that I had in like the second round, guys like Antonio Johnson and Dewan Jones, nowhere near that point in the draft. So I totally had my values screwed up 
on some of those guys. Um, I would say the value of our draft class is different than the value I expected to get out of it. This is very much a for the future as opposed to the immediate helping of right now, aside from probably Titman. Uh, Greenbean, how were you how did you feel overall about the depth in this draft overall? And then maybe where you rank this draft class on like a you know how good you feel about it. Well, again, I think um, shifting my perspective, you know, it's definitely not going to rate with three first round picks and a top four, whatever it was, second. You know what I mean? It's like it's hard to say, oh, this is better than it's just not real. Um, But at the same time, if the Jets, what we've done with finally, you know, like the final piece being Aaron Rodgers and some ancillary stuff like Lazard and and uh and and tipman you know just some some kind of stuff like that but like let's say that we're now shifting into what good teams do which is you take the best players on the board and you and you kind of you know you have that deep pipeline going when guys are ready to leave you don't miss a beat like we're shifting over to that if this is that first draft where that's really evident and started to take place guys like Mike McDonald and and Carter Warren and and all these guys uh let's say in a year two years there are starters but we're winning right now because of Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and Quinn and and all those guys that we have, then this draft is a slam dunk. Maybe it's not the slam dunk for this year. You know, we get some some good involvement, but you know, let's let's remember, like as Jets fans, we have been dependent on the draft. It's why we're so passionate about it. Like there are other fan bases that you know, friends I have, they're into it, but not like we're into it. I mean, shit, we know six rounds deep, safeties. You know what I mean? From small schools and like we're ridiculous and and like all the stuff I know, I don't even know anything compared to a lot of you guys. Like that's how deep we are deranged because we have depended on the draft. And to see the team shift out of that, I think would be really really cool. And if that happens, then this draft class is very important. And I think that the, you know, what we did with athleticism and character and all those types of things is the way to do that. Not just take these flyers on guys with with uh, you know issues, bad you know personal personal habits or criminal shit and all that kind of stuff, we're like staying away from that man, and I think that's a positive. Yeah, Matt, what was your vibe of this draft overall? Whether it be our draft class, the the overall draft, and like ranking it among some of our our more recent drafts. Yeah, I think the reason why this feels so underwhelming is because they didn't have multiple first round picks, right? Like the last two years, they had multiple firsts. They've had so many high picks. Um, and then you go back, like Douglas's first year was definitely interesting because, uh, you know, it was the first time we were going to see him draft and what was he going to do? And they traded back and got Mims and that was exciting. And they took a tackle in the first round where this I thought was a steady draft and i think it's okay like a i don't know like a c plus b minus draft i know okay it's it's passable it's not great it's not the best he's ever done it's not the worst he's ever done i think it's going to end up being a fine class where they get some you know solid contributors from it yeah you mentioned the the draft grade um so I'm, i guess let's let's do a little bit of that you you would say c plus b minus was kind of where you were thinking matt yeah, I settled on B minus for me for my for my draft. I, I think it was 
a, a, a steady, solid draft for them. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I landed on it as well. <laughs> I was like, you know what, this is it feels like a C plus upon further review. You know, I, I think B minus is probably where I land as well. You know, maybe not helping you immediately, but getting you know parts that make sense and you know could help us moving forward into the future. Greenbean, from your perspective, where would you, if you had to put a letter grade on this draft class, how are you feeling about it? Letters. Um... B. Hmm. Straight up. All right. All right. Yeah, that's where I land. Scar City drops in, says, McDonald will make much more sense when we have to let Wasson, uh, Lawson and Huff walk in free agency next year. Quinnen contract, all, uh, Quinnen contract and all restructures. Cap will be tight in 2024. Uh, yeah. Well, the nice thing about losing possibly Lawson and Huff is that both those guys could wind up getting pretty nice contracts in a year that we won't have too much cap space if things shake out the way they may shake out. And with Quinn and Williams, you know, I do think the contract gets done before training camp or on the eve of training camp or maybe just a day or two into training camp, whatever it is, I think it'll get done this summer. Um, we will definitely notice McDonald as a value right now. It's almost like when the Giants had uh, OCU Manura, I think that's Strahan at the time, and then they drafted uh, Kiwanuka. And like we're like, whoa, wait a second, you're adding another edge rusher? This kind of doesn't make any sense. You're you're loaded at that position. But then you go down the line and it's like, okay, well, I believe that was right around their first Super Bowl. And then you had these guys for the second Super Bowl because Strahan was gone at that point and you had uh, you know, a lot more firepower at the edge rush position. Uh so yeah, I guess uh Matt, what do you think about uh what how much value do you put on McDonald? knowing that Lawson and Huff may be gone at the end of this year, what are your expectations with that? And then, you know, maybe having a tighter cap situation where you might not be able to pay an edge rusher in 2024 because of the Rodgers contract and the Quinnen contract and everything that might be going into it. Yeah, well, I don't know how much the cap is going to be tight in 2024. I The last part isn't really something I'm all that concerned. It'll be tighter, I guess, but I don't think it's going to be anything uh, super crazy for the Jets to have to to deal with. But the first part is 100% spot on. There's no guarantee that Lawson and Huff are here beyond this upcoming season. So uh, having both Jermaine Johnson and uh, and McDonald on rookie deals as your edge duo with you know some of the other guys that they have rotating through absolutely makes sense for the long term. Uh, I see, guys. We have 212 likes in this chat right now or in this stream. Hit that like button for every 25 likes we get on this video. We're going to select a t-shirt qualifier that we're going to give away a t-shirt at the end of this stream. If you're listening after the fact and you want to get entered in, all you got to do is leave a comment down below this stream after it's aired and you get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. We're going to be giving away our new shirt that we debuted. I guess we debuted it technically the Tuesday before the draft, but we have it right here. Bam! Woo. Talking Jets shirt. Look at, the, look at those monkeys. Amazing. Just a couple of guys. Playing with our bananas, bananas. <laughs> throwing poo at one another. <laughs> We're just a couple of dumb monkeys over here. There we go. But yeah, you get it. Get yourself entered into winning one of those shirts. Uh, Marty Thompson drops in and says, "How do you like my nickname for you blokes, Formation Squad?" That's ah, okay. That must be an Australian nickname because uh, we got we got work on it. I don't know. Do we have do we have any kind of good nickname for the three of us? 
Got, I've already seen the three amigos in the chat. We don't really oh. have a nickname so much. We're kind of just talking formation jets. squad. I don't know, Marty. We're, we're like the three mation squad. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I see where you're going. I don't hate it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I kind of need, we got three little pigs says everything NYJ. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that could be a shirt idea. Come with three little, little pigs. pigs. <laughs> That's next year's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, each year next we'll have a draft stream. Got to collect them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, collectible. <laughs> Famous Jay hops in and says, what other teams do you think did well in the draft? I really, really like the Giants draft. I like the Eagles draft. I like the Steelers draft. I like the Ravens draft. Those would be the four teams that stand out to me. Um kind of above the rest i think just because of you know i like john michael smith i like the hyatt pick um the corner they got in the first round is a good corner as well yeah i don't know uh those would be those four teams for me greenby were there uh, other teams that you kind of looked at and said wow that team did really well in this draft um yeah there was um i can't i can't remember I need to think. Um, Real quick, Green Bean. Uh, Joe Grana in the chat has a great name for us, and it's third and long. <laughs> Ooh, third and okay. long. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't think of who the hell. The Giants had a pretty good draft. Um, what about you, else? Matt? Where do you think, what other teams you think had a good draft? Uh, some of my favorites were the Eagles and Eagles. the and the Arizona mm. Cardinals moving back and then going Ooh. up to get their guy. Um, I, I think those are two that really stand out to me. Arizona's primed to trade up for a quarterback in next year's draft with all the wheeling and dealing they did. The Texans had a very odd draft. Like the the going back up to to get the number three pick after making your selection at number two. I did not see that one coming. That if you had, you know pulled me a hundred times as to what team is going to trade up to number three overall with the Cardinals, I don't know if any one of those times I would have said the Texans. Yeah, that was weird. Very weird. So weird. The NY bully hops in. He says, "Do you all think drafting McDonald at fifteen was a counter move by Joe Douglas?" to the surplus of mobile quarterbacks in the AFC, we need a solid nose to plug that A-gap now. Uh, I do think there was definitely a lot of thought put into, hey, look, the Jets are going to be scoring a lot of points this year. We're going to need edge rushers to take advantage of our high-priced, not high-priced, but our high... I'll call it high-priced, high-priced secondary because of the assets we used on. High-priced meaning a fourth overall pick, high-priced meaning DJ Reed that we brought in in free agency, and and even our edge rushers to take advantage of everything that Aaron Rodgers brings, having those pass rushers to get after the quarterbacks that are are lethal. The AFC is loaded with quarterback talent. So do I think it's a counter move? I think it's I think you're on the right track. I think it's something along those lines. I don't know if it's necessarily a full counter move as much as they realize, hey, look, this is how important it pass rush was for our defense overall. Um, Greenbean, your thoughts on maybe was the the McDonald pick more of a counter move to, you know, maybe help against some of these mobile quarterbacks? Yeah, well, I mean, they said as much, you know, they were talking about the idea of 
hopefully being able to get a lead. And then once you do that, you know, being able to sick the sick the Lions on him. But, you know, he t- I think Salah talked about the quarterbacks, and he was like, look, the best way to, like, neutralize all these weapons is to get to their quarterback. And, all you know, there's a lot of great quarterbacks. You know, look, you start with our division, you know. I mean, assuming two, you know, let's root for Tua to stay healthy, right? Uh, he was the first half, the first quarter of the season, they were talking about him as an MVP candidate. And obviously the season went kind of south for him. And then you got Josh Allen and then uh, <laughs> Mac Jones is a little different. But those other two guys, you know, it's like, I mean, Josh Allen is considered one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Uh, even though he kind of he has his little those little lapses, he's still Josh Allen. And, you know, right in our division, like it always, Parcells used to say that it starts right in your division. It's like when he went out and signed Mawai. They said, why'd you go get Mawai? He said, to take care of Ted Washington. Ted Washington was a defensive tackle on the Bills. He said, I need somebody to stop that freaking guy. We can't beat them, and we're not doing anything. You know, we can't get out of our division. We can't do anything. And I, and I, and I like that mindset. It's like, well, what's here? Well, we got Josh Allen right here. The best way to neutralize Josh Allen is to get him thinking, to get him making quick decisions because he makes mistakes, and to put him on his ass. And that's the way to do it. So, uh, yeah, I think that absolutely, man. You know, obviously, Salah's defense is predicated on certain things as well in general. But I think specifically with the AFC East and then the AFC uh, right after that, I mean, you look at all the quarterbacks. How are we going to beat them? You, you got to get them off their game. And that's the way to do it. Matt, do you think the McDonald pick was almost a counter move based on the quarterbacks that we got to go up against in the AFC? 100% or even when you're just in general when you're trying to close out games the Jets are expecting to have a lead more with Aaron Rodgers than what they did last year and teams are going to want to throw against them and how do you shut down a passing offense well you have a couple lockdown corners which is already a plus the pass rush was okay last year but putting that over the top is really you know going to make a world of difference for this team so Dom C had a really funny name for us. Uh, two mix and the prick. <laughs> Sorry, Green Bean, but it rhymes. I'll take it. Hey, don't you know? Wait, no, you're the prick. Oh, I'm the one. Okay. Or are you talking yeah, about Dom I'm, C? Wait a minute. I'm a mix. Are you Even Irish, Green I... Bean? You got the green, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's a long story. You want a short version of a long story? Sure. Always. Why not? Always. Well, I was raised as an Italian, right? And uh, like a very uh, mafioso Northeast Sopranos family, right? So, uh, you know, you can hear my some of my inflections are that way and all that stuff. Forget about it, right? That's all that shit. But I found out when I was 25 or 26 that I was not Italian, that I was adopted by that Italian side. And they never hmm. told me. So then it turned out that uh, my last name would be McPherson. Uh, which is MacPherson, which is Irish but Scottish. So I'm actually mm. Irish and Scottish uh, instead of Italian. So now I got all this weird Italian shit, and I'm Irish. No wonder my stomach hurts all the time. I'm eating all this fucking tomato. <laughs> I can't handle it, man. I take uh, you know acid reflux medication. They've been fucking stuffing tomatoes down my Irish gullet all these years. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever done Twenty Three and Me or anything like that, Green Bean? I have. I turns out I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm a very high percentile of Neanderthal as well. I find. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's Sasquatch. Just yeah, yeah. He yeah. explains <laughs> the strong brow. 
that 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 northwest uh, trip you wound up going on with the RV when you were in the woods. <laughs> that was actually Green Bean walking behind the yeah, the right. tree over there. Exactly right. I felt at home. I did. When I did twenty three and Me, I wound up being like ninety seven percent Irish. I think I'm like three percent Scandinavian, which I didn't know was a thing. I was always told I was twenty five percent German. So there's like one part of my family that is like, you know all about the German food and the German stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're sons of German. They did 23 and me. Like, they're, they're cousins, like, you know, two over, I guess. Um, not German, like, at all. <laughs> so their oh, entire, wow. like, growing up, they're like, we're just not. <laughs> it's just, who knows? I don't know what happened. But for whatever reason, the 23 and me said, we're not German. Uh, Matt, have you ever done anything, uh, you know, 23 and me or, or anything like that? Yeah, I did the ancestry, same thing. It was like mm. in the 80% for Irish, I think. And I do have my grandfather on my uh, mom's side is half Irish, half German. So I do have some German in me. And I think a little bit of Swedish. And that's from my dad's mom's side of the family. So, But it's like 85 Irish and then very small on the pie chart, the other things. Ab Lab comes in. He says, uh, great name for us, the New York Chat Exchange. Very Ooh. interesting. I like that. That's he good says, too. no freezes. Oh, Ab Lab, you're good. We love having you in here. Ab Lab. Right on. There he is. Such a great name, too. It's just, it's like it's very Chat satisfying Chat. to say. New York Chat I Exchange? Like yeah. I feel like that could be the name of like a channel. Oh, for sure. That's right? pretty good, dude. Maybe we got to change our talking jets. Just <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> chop it off. We got Blade Runner coming in. Blade Runner says, do you guys worry about our lack of a deep safety or a poor coverage linebacker? Uh, it's a big deficiency, in my opinion. God bless you, boys. So I do think a cover linebacker is coming in in the form of Quan Alexander, so I'm not overly yeah. concerned about that spot. Safety, I guess I'm concerned because of of the perceived lack of depth at that position. I'm curious to see how Tony Adams is deployed, how Ashton Davis gets used in this year of his contract. Cause he's going into a contract year here. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I think I, I guess I'm more concerned about safety than I am linebacker, but I don't know. I don't know what the jets know, I guess, if that makes sense. Like if they're developing guys like Sherwood and Tony Adams behind the scene and they feel confident in them because of their development, then, you know, maybe we shouldn't feel as stressed as we, as we are feeling. But Matt, where do you fall on, you know, cover safety, like a deep, deep safety and a coverage linebacker? I'm going to steal my answer that I was saying during the draft, but I think we as fans value both of those things more than the Jets organization does. And I don't know if that's going to be right or wrong, who will be proven right for it. it. It does scare me a little bit. I do think they could improve at uh, the linebacker position. That's why I think bringing back Quan Alexander makes a ton of sense. Um, but safety, they don't really have that deep ball hawking safety. Both their, their guys right now in, in Clark and Whitehead are more prototypical strong safeties who come down in the box and can make plays against the run down at the line of uh, line of scrimmage. So I, I agree with blade runner. I just don't know if the jets feel the same way. I don't think they do. Green bean. How do you feel about our deep safety and linebacker uh, positions 
are they areas of weakness for us? Do you think it's a big deficiency? How are you feeling uh, confidence-wise going into the season with the positions as they currently stand? Well, I agree with you that Quan Alexander is more than likely coming back. We didn't, you know, it didn't, we didn't know that for sure. Um, with the way, you know, the, we thought maybe he'd go get a big contract or whatever, but the market doesn't look like it's there for him. And, and we were able to sign him in midsummer or something last year, whatever it was. So who knows? Maybe he comes back and then it's fine. I mean, I think Quan Alexander was a big part of that screen pass issue stopping. Remember that? Remember when we couldn't stop oh, the screen yeah. pass to help her? That kind of went away with a good coverage linebacker. And I, I, I could see him coming back. And now, granted, he only played 48% of the snaps. It's not like he was out there all day. So we have to replace that. Um, but so, yeah, I think I think there are still solutions. Plus, you know, we still have Sherwood and Nazrul Dean who are here. And uh, they love Sherwood. I'm not sure what they think about Nazrul Dean, but he's here. He's going into his third year. So let's see what those guys have. As far as free safety, I mean, I believe that they love Tony Adams. I mean, we saw them expose Pinnock instead of Tony Adams, who was an undrafted free agent. Pinnock was a fourth or fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. And um, and they he was here for a year. So And they exposed him over Tony Adams. So they really think highly of him. So... Even though we think they might not value it, they might just think they have their guy. You know what I mean? Like, they might really believe that. And then you got uh, Converse, who I think is going to make some noise. You, you heard it here first, everybody. I think I think he's the guy. that He's the pinnock uh, if Tony Adams fails, um, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a concern. I mean, especially from, from our end. We don't know what they're thinking. We don't know how confident they are one way or the other. They don't tell us. But uh, I think it's definitely something to be concerned about, but it's also something I think that uh, they will either be addressing or they feel they already have. I don't think they're as concerned as we are or else we would have saw some movement. So chat, I really appreciate you putting the Knicks score in the, in the chat 107 Hmm. to 100. It seems like there's 40 seconds left in the game, which is very, very exciting. I love seeing that. Uh, Red John says, would Sauce go first in the 2022 redraft? Um, hmm. He might. He might, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he goes lower than four. He definitely goes at least at three. <laughs> I don't think, uh, what's his face from uh, the Texans winds up going there with Sauce. I don't well, know. How did Trayvon Walker do? Wait. Yeah, I'm, I didn't watch Walker Nothing. enough to to know if he did anything, Nothing, right? but I was, I was almost thinking like, you know, if Garrett Wilson is as good as he is, would he have gone higher because of the value of, of receiver, which is weird. Cause like, I, I don't know if we'll see a receiver in the top five, you know, soon again, Jamar chase was the last one that was like, what? Six, I think. So um, the, the athletic did a redraft of the 2022 mm-hmm. and in their article, which is written by Nick Baumgartner, he has mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner going number one overall to the Jaguars. Okay. I like it. Um, I mean, it's... And Garrett Wilson third overall to Houston. Wow. So I wonder wow. where Brees winds up going. Uh, Did he yeah, make it into uh, the first, Brees? Gotta. Let me, do, let me do a little search. No, he doesn't. Can, wow, really? I guess maybe because he's hurt. The injury. Sure. I don't know. I feel like if you did a yeah. redraft, I don't know how Brees gets out of the first round in a redraft. I think the Jets would have yeah. traded back into the first round if they knew how good he was going to be. So that way they could get that fifth year on him too. 
Yeah, I'm a little or, surprised by that, to be honest with you. I would have thought Brees would have made it as well. Trayvon Walker had 49 tackles, three and a half sacks, five tackles for a loss, and 10 quarterback kits. Not a bad year. No, um, definitely not. Not first overall, I'll tell you that. Right. No, definitely not. Uh, Slava Manobcraft says, <laughs> will Converse be an all-star? Um, is that a, that's uh, a shoe uh, reference, uh. right? I see what you're saying. Um, all right. We are at the end of our show, boys and girls. That went a lot quicker than, uh, than I was expecting. I kind of looked up and, and got caught. Um, all right. So we've got 253 likes on this video or on this, yeah, on this draft stream, draft stream. No draft recap stream. Uh, Matt, can I have you go over to, you know what? Let's go over to the Johnny ice cream video. Let's see if there's any comments on there. And let's pick someone Ooh. from the the Talking Jets channel, Johnny Ice Cream video. Okay. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I actually watched some of that. I feel so bad. That was at, I was my tiredest during ah, that. That was I, so I was fun. Like, yeah. Dude, yeah. Johnny I, I was electric. It was, it was awesome having him on. Him and his dad are just so funny. Yeah, they're good. They're good guys. Uh, but I was well, like so we shocked. Yeah, that day three was tough. Uh huh. All right, so I get to pick one from here. Yep. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, well, I guess how many only... do we have? I don't know how many comments we actually have there's on two. that video. Oh, there's, there's two. two. Let's pick both. Let's get both. Okay. Of them. So Charles Gorman and Zachary Ooh. Alford. Ooh, there we go. Throw those two into the uh, into the pot. Mumtaz hops in. He says, guys, Will McDonald has a new number one fan, me. I paid no attention to him during, uh, paid no attention to him before the draft. And after watching numerous tape, his play is stunning. And I'm predicting now that he could be a 10 plus sack guy. Mumtaz, that's the best part about all this. Look, when we drafted him, the three of us had no idea this pick was coming and did not have ourselves prepared for what this guy, you know, actually is or could provide to our team. So that little bit of, you know, going back to the drawing board, reassessing everything, looking at the tape, that's all part of the evaluation. So I'm glad you wound up doing it because there's a lot of people out there that'll just dig their heels in on an issue and just say, nope, nope, I was right. You were wrong. But being able to yeah. say, okay, hey, look, I, I made a, a, a judgment call. And you know what? Now I have a different judgment. I have uh, my signature on Jet Nation for a long time had I reserve the right to change my opinion based on new information provided. And in a sense, you know, I, I guess the information was out there prior, but me learning about these players and learning about Will McDonald, I feel much better about it now than I did the night of the draft. So I kind of fall in line with you, Mumtaz, uh, in your line of thinking. Greenbean. You got our, our list of qualifiers? I do. Ooh, okay. How many we got? I guess it's what, oh, 8, 10, uh, 12? See. 12 plus the Super Chats? Wait, one, two, let me count everybody. One, two. Right. One, two, three, four. 29 let's do one more i'll get a 30th in there make it round or i gotta get matt's guys too right i didn't get those yet yeah throw those matt two in there. yeah hang on i gotta go back i didn't even hear did you say them already <laughs> yeah i did that's okay <laughs> that all two <laughs> yeah it's only charles names, gorman but... and uh i don't remember the other name 
Yeah. Uh, oh, Dom Charles, C. You're the last. Charles and Zachary Alf- and Zach Alford. Alford. Okay. Sorry, I didn't even hear that. All right, man. Good shit. <laughs> All right. All right. We yes, we have now we have 32. So we have 32 people in this. So I want the chat to give me three single digit numbers. And the first three single digit numbers that pop up will be counted together. And then we're gonna do something else. So we got an eight, a seven, and a five. So what is that? That's 15, 20. So now I want the chat, someone say top or bottom, one of the two. And we're going to go from the top of the list or the bottom of the list. Let's see what winds up. You tell me. You, I'm so all the, yours. the number's 20. Okay. And Zachary says from the top. From the top. From the top. All right. Here we go. It's on. <laughs> Matt. Where is funny. it? I can't see it. Where is it? What are you laughing at? Uh, you just, just put in the chat. He says, Ryan is a dot, dot, dot. And there's top, bottom. <laughs> popping oh, up funny. in the chat. Oh, good. Yeah, it was good. Well done, Mr. Ryder. All right. Number uh, 20 from that. the top. Yes. That is Mr. Hank G. Oh, Hank Hank's G. Won a shirt before. Yeah. All right. Oh, Hank. There, he there you go. Oh, boy, Hank, Hank, reach out to us. Uh, reach out to me on Gmail, jetstalk247 at gmail.com. I'll get your information. I'll send you out a shirt. Very pumped to have you in here with us. But guys, we have reached the end of our show. So I want to go around our panel, give our closing thoughts. Green Bean, any last words for our panel? Um, <laughs> it's rigged. That's right. <laughs> uh, I knew Hank was going to win from the minute the stream started. Uh, Don't dude, even worry. I loved it. you. Like when you're like, look at all the names I have on here and you flip it around yeah, and there's like, nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's like, wait a second. And then we did yeah. it again and it was the spins. And then Matt had the, okay, here, look at my list. Anyone but crossfire. <laughs> oh, no. I know uh, I had like 14,000 names. Yeah, I did that just to rig it, you know? All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. They're asking me to start a show. I wasn't going to. My wife is calling me. I'm in trouble. All kinds of weird shit is happening. <laughs> um, anyway, you can find me at Green Bean Jets Fan. The podcast is up already uh, where I talk about stuff. Jets and uh, yeah, man, there you go. I don't know. I haven't decided. Check me in 10 minutes and see. I'm really tired, but I might do it. A live stream after this. So we'll see. Matt, any last words for our panel? New Just Jets tomorrow. We are reacting to the draft class and discussing the Jets passing, uh, giving Mackay Becton a fifth-year option. I love it. Boys and girls, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you. We'll be back here next week, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, Tuesday night. You guys know it. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S. I think every single person in this locker room is a competitor at the highest level. So, yeah, when you feel as if your back's against the wall, you never have to feel like you got to do it by yourself. You look to your left and your right, you got guys out there with you that that our whole point is to help each other. This one to Mims. Corey Davis.
be able to go out and, and lead these guys. And just to know how hard these guys work and how important it is to them. And then you get that chance to, to lead them. Everything that happened that needed to happen for us, it almost felt like kind of like a sign, like give it like a second chance almost. Gets extra pushes, running left. Maybe a little extra life to breathe in the locker room. Touchdown, Jets!